Soul Recovery is not just this podcast. It is a community. And each month on the first Monday, we get together on Zoom to support each other. I give a topic, then we break into small groups. It's a powerful way to be seen and witnessed and heard and supported through your own soul recovery journey. This is free to attend and open to everyone. Go to the website to register. The next one is May 6th from 6 to 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Also, in June on the 8th and 9th is an in-person soul recovery retreat in Lafayette, Colorado. This is going to be a weekend of incredible transformation, learning how to use soul recovery in your life and to leave that weekend transformed. Visit the website for more about what to expect and how to register. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Recover Your Soul podcast. This is Reverend Rachel Harrison, and I'm so grateful that you're here today. I wanted to share some of the Al-Anon book studies that were part of my bonus episodes for Apple subscribers and Patreon members with our general community. This is really important because so many of you come to this podcast because you are dealing with somebody in your life who has an addiction, that it has affected you in a negative way. What I did for these seven episodes is I read out of How Al-Anon Works for Families and Friends of Alcoholics on a variety of different topics. And so each week for the next seven weeks, I'm going to go ahead and post those for everyone. I hope that you enjoy them. And if you want more of what these types of episodes offered you, I encourage you to become a Patreon member or an Apple Podcast subscriber. Thank you for supporting the Recover Your Soul podcast. My name is Reverend Rachel Harrison, and this is the Recover Your Soul podcast, a spiritual path to a happy and healthy life. I started Recover Your Soul after having profound changes in my life from my recovery of alcoholism, control addiction, and codependency. I was guided to share the tools and principles of spirituality and soul recovery to help others transform their lives as mine was transformed. For us to overcome external circumstances, we must first turn the attention to ourselves, focusing on inner change. Outer positive results in our lives will follow. As a spiritual coach, I can support you on your path to make real changes that will bring you a life of peace, happiness, connection, and abundance. Visit the website recoveryoursoul.net to book coaching sessions, read the blog, listen to some of my original music, and subscribe to receive email updates. I think of Recover Your Soul as a community. Follow us on social media and join the private Facebook group to support each other and connect. For an extra episode each week and to support this podcast, become a Patreon member or subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Together, we can do the work that will recover your soul. Hello, and thank you to the subscribers and members of Recover Your Soul. I so appreciate your support and can't thank you enough for being part of this community. As subscribers and members, we are currently doing a book study on how Al-Anon works for families and friends of alcoholics. And again, this information to me can be used by anyone. This is why I feel it's so foundational. The tools of recovery are really set out for people who are affected by addiction in some way. But when I really look at how we can use those tools, regardless of how addiction has affected our lives, some people more profoundly, some people less than, but we are all in communication and relationship with other people. So if we're honest, 
I would say that most of us have, you know, I say this, control issues and some level of enmeshment with somebody in our life. So I just hope that you will take these tools no matter where you are in your path, no matter where you are in your soul recovery journey. And this chapter, chapter 12, is about taking care of ourselves, which we all need to learn to take care of ourselves. So I'm going to read and reflect, and I'm going to start right now. It says, alcoholism is a threefold disease. So I'm going to say addiction, control issues, dysfunction is a threefold disease, physical, mental, and spiritual. Many of us have neglected our health on all three of these fronts. So recovery from the effects of addiction must be a threefold as well. And the first section is on treating ourselves well. It takes firm commitment to make our own well-being a priority. In the past, some of us neglected to care for ourselves because we were waiting for someone else to take care of us. We were waiting for someone else to take care of us. And some of us were so concerned with another person's well-being that we failed to attend to our own. But in recovery, we're learning to take responsibility for tending to our own needs. At first, few of us felt comfortable giving ourselves such attention. It seems selfish to make these efforts on our own behalf. We may have even been taught as children that other people's needs rightfully come first. These are really hitting on me. I wonder if they're hitting on you as well. But how can we take care of others if we are falling apart through the lack of most basic care? In Al-Anon, we learn to put first things first. Just as airline passengers are instructed to put on their oxygen masks before helping their children or fellow passengers with theirs, we must learn to attend to our own well-being first. We owe it to ourselves to give ourselves the love, care, and attention we need and deserve even if the needs of others have to wait. I just want to stop because what I really heard in that is a couple things that I wanted to go over. One is that we don't take care of ourselves because we're waiting for someone else to take care of us. And then when we don't get the care that we need from somebody else, then we feel resentful and angry. And then we ourselves are sick because we're frustrated and mad that the world didn't come to us the way that we wanted. It's okay to need and want attention and care. The problem happens when we start to feel like we are expecting others to fulfill the needs of our own being that is our own responsibility, that responsibility to choose our own happiness, to take responsibility for our own lives. And that's actually what we're asking the people in our lives to do as well, that instead of it being our responsibility for them to be okay, that they can take responsibility for themselves to be okay. So that really spoke to me because of the sadness and the depth of grief that I know many of you have over wishing that someone else would come and take care of us. And part of that comes from the part of our lives that we've had where We were set up that way when we were younger to expect or want that, or that we were told that we couldn't take care of ourselves, that we needed someone else to do that for us. We weren't given that worth, that self-esteem hit that told us that we could do it for ourselves. 
So in soul recovery, we're breaking these patterns. We're opening up to new thought concepts. We're letting go of the enmeshment, of the codependence, of the unhealthy relationships, of the need to have other people be okay for us to be okay. The need for someone else's addiction or someone else's emotions to be in a way that makes us feel comfortable. We can be okay. And that when I look at these situations, how we owe it to ourselves to give ourselves love and care and attention, this is that turning the attention to ourselves. This is the part where we have control over our own lives. And we start to slowly, slowly, slowly move in steps to detach from the other people. It goes on to read, for some of us, the easiest way to learn how to nurture ourselves is to do for ourselves what we would normally do or wish to do for a loved one, right? We spend so much time and energy making sure that other people's needs are met that we don't take care of our own. It says we might have a habit of skipping meals or eating poorly and quickly when alone, but preparing sumptuous and nourishing feasts when our loved ones are present. By putting ourselves in our loved one's position, we can see that we deserve much better treatment. Does that make sense? Can you see that, that you would go the extra mile for your loved one, but you don't go the extra mile for yourself? And it's time that we start putting ourselves as a top priority. Because if we can love ourselves so deeply, so fully, then we have more to give to the people around us. It's the putting on the oxygen mask before you help somebody else. The next section is our physical health. We might consider what we can do to improve and maintain good health. Our physical bodies require rest, exercise, and a nutritious diet, appropriate medical care, and all these areas that merit conscientious conscientious planning. That is a hard sentence. I'm not the greatest reader, but I appreciate your patience. Something as simple as a daily walk can make a tremendous difference in the way we feel. Perhaps we'll get an occasional massage or take a few minutes for a nap when we're tired. So I was just listening to a podcast on the way to do an errand for a friend today. And I think it's so interesting that I'm reading this because it was talking about how self-care has always been thought of as kind of this thing that you have to do that's expensive, right? Like self-care means you go for a massage or a pedicure or a spa experience, But it was talking about how self-care is much deeper than that. Self-care is taking yourself to the doctor, getting your eyes checked, going for a physical, doing things that are essential for your well-being, not just pampering. And that, yes, going for a massage, having a manicure, pedicure, doing something fancy like that is an additional self-care but that these basic needs that we have, sometimes we can put those to the side. And sometimes those self-care needs mean that you have to make other choices if finances are a certain way and you're worried about going to the doctor or to the dentist or the whatever it is because of money, we'll put ourselves last and we will make other choices. And to start really looking at those choices and what does that mean? Can you put that self-care first and be able to not do something for someone else that would have made you feel good because you wanted to please them, but actually to take care of yourself first. 
It goes on to say, we often skip meals because we can't seem to squeeze them into our busy schedule. We can make an effort to block out meal times in advance and treat those time commitments with the same respect we would give to any other appointment. Can we treat ourselves as we would anyone else? When we're ill, can we learn to take proper care of ourselves? Cutting down on our activities, drinking extra fluids, getting the rest we need, and seeing the doctor when necessary, even if illness strikes at an inconvenient time. By attending to our physical needs, we go a long way towards making our lives more manageable. This reminds me of an epiphany that I had the other day when I was sitting on the couch. So I'm sitting on the couch in my living room. This is my morning routine of coming upstairs. Rich makes us a beautiful latte every morning, which is such a sweet thing for him to do. And I put on my headphones or sit with him and we do a meditation. I always do a meditation. I do some spiritual reading. I do some journaling. Whatever my morning routine needs to be that day, sometimes it's longer, sometimes it's shorter, but I never miss some at least a few minutes of centering time. So when I look out my couch out my front window, we have a couple plants that we bring inside for the winter because it's cold here in Colorado. And one of them is a hibiscus tree that I've had for a couple of years. And I had it in the back of the house by another window and it wasn't doing very well. And so I brought it to the front of the house and it's now right in front of the window that I look out in the morning. And when I look at that hibiscus, you can see how it wasn't thriving in the other area. It wasn't being cared for. It wasn't getting the things that it needed. It wasn't getting light. It wasn't getting enough um, nutrition, right? Because the light, the sun is what feeds it. And I was watering it. But the truth is, when it's in that side of the house, I don't see it as clearly as I do the other one. So it probably wasn't getting enough water. So since I've moved it to the light, it is thriving, And you see how the leaves have come out and they're bigger up on the top. They're lighter color and they're reaching for the sunlight. And the whole tree is now moved to adjust itself to receive the light from that particular window. And it's starting to have beautiful blossoms and flowers. And then I notice that you go down the branch and The branch gets thick at the bottom where the leaves used to be, but it's let go of those leaves, those things that no longer serve them, that don't give them nutrients anymore. And it's what is the foundation. It's holding the rest of the tree. And it made me think of us, that when we're doing self-care, when we're taking care of ourselves, when we're putting our needs first, we are blossoming and growing and we're getting what we need. And we have this ability to to thrive. But when we put ourselves in the back, when we don't give ourselves the essentials that we need, we can start to deteriorate and not do well, just like my hibiscus. So I think it's interesting that that really came to me the other morning and I've been visioning it and figuring out for myself, what do I need? What is my sunlight that I need to make sure that I can thrive? So the next section is called our mental and emotional health. It says mentally and emotionally, we can find ways to stimulate our minds and validate our feelings. We can read books we enjoy or put our thoughts on paper in an essay or a letter or journal, as you know that I often say we should do. We might begin a new course of study. 
or learn a new skill and open ourselves to different interests. We can strive to become more honest with ourselves about what we think and feel. We can find appropriate ways to express ourselves. We might examine our emotions, whether alone with a sponsor or with professional help. Many of us, this is a big deal. Being able to express what we think and feel. We've been told for so long that we can't share our feelings, that it's actually not okay to have our feelings. We haven't learned how to even name our feelings or our interests or to have a voice. Or we've learned that to have a voice, it needs to be loud and angry. That's the only way that we can express ourselves. So examining our emotions, really starting to open up and have that softness of ourselves, this emotional and mental health, to see it as your soul recovery. What a beautiful way to say that. And I am here to help with any coaching that you need if you're looking for professional help. It says, because recovery involves tremendous interchange and upheaval, in addition to whatever outside changes are occurring, many of us need to take extra care of ourselves emotionally. This is so true. Be so gentle with yourselves. The feelings aroused when denial is challenged, new projects are tackled, and a whole new way of life is adopted can be overpowering. We may experience tremendous fear, rage, guilt, and depression. Right? We're, we're thawing out. We're deconstructing this whole way of being that we've been our whole lives. And it is going to be this upheaval. It is going to be complicated and overwhelming at times. But it's part of it. You know, you're breaking it up. You're getting it messy before it cleans up again. It says we may experience tremendous fear, rage, guilt, and depression. Change, even wonderful positive change, almost always involves some grief for the old way of life we're letting go, even if the way of life that kept us miserable. I think that's really important, that even the positive changes, there is grief. And grief is an emotion that doesn't get talked about enough. It is a way of allowing for loss and transition that is hard to explain what those feelings are. And it really can be grief, even if it's letting go of a life that was hard. So it goes on to say, for most of us who have been emotionally shut down for years, the sudden flood of emotion can be frightening. If we keep in mind that this intense emotional turmoil is usually a temporary and natural part of the process of recovery, we may more easily adapt to the experience and take steps to make ourselves as comfortable as possible under the circumstances. It's especially important to provide ourselves with a place to express these feelings where we'll receive the support and encouragement we need. It is also important to remind that feelings aren't facts. It is also important to be reminded that feelings aren't facts. That is a great line. You know, our thoughts aren't facts either. We don't have to believe everything we think. That was something that was interesting to me earlier on, that just because my head thought it or my body felt it, that that didn't mean that that was a fact. It's just part of my mind. It's just part of the process. It's just the wave flowing through. It says, no matter how intense the feelings may be, they're only feelings their reactions to rather than reflections of reality. 
They're the way that we are expressing or seeing it. And I think a lot about how it's as if I have glasses and I have different layers of lenses that go on the glasses. And every time I do a layer of recovery, I'm see different. I see more clearly. I see it a different color. It's something totally new. It's as if I'm seeing it for the first time. And that is sometimes what's inside of me that I'm seeing differently. And so those feelings are reactions to. They're how we see it versus the reality of what is actually happening. It goes on to say, therefore, they are not necessarily the best basis for decision making, our feelings. Although I do think that it's important to be in tune with your feelings, but those reaction feelings, those reactivity feelings, the anger, the the betrayal, the deceit, those feelings aren't a place where we're coming from our strength. Those are a place we're coming from fear. So to make decisions based off of those feelings sometimes aren't accurate for what's really going on. It says other people can help us to value the experience of our emotions without acting on them in ways that we might regret once the feelings have passed. Some of us begin to remember long suppressed traumatic events from the past that are emotionally devastating to relive. Suddenly, explosive feelings erupt that we're not capable of handling at the time of trauma. This is very true if you had trauma when you were a child. In the episode with Gretchen, who is the therapist, and she was talking about resentments and how feelings and emotions and energies are stored in our bodies, and they're like waves that just need to be able to pass through. And she described how as adults, we actually have the capacity in our bodies to go ahead and let those feelings have their natural progression. But as children, our bodies are too small for those energies to pass through. And that that's why oftentimes it's blocked really far down in there. And that it can come up later that we can't process it when we're younger. And so I think this is very true that we might have some of these feelings as adults as we start to do our soul recovery and uncover the things that are down there keeping us from our fullest self because they need to come up and be let go, let out, released. They need to complete their cycle so that they don't hold you down any longer. It says, they seem uncontrollable and terrifying, and we may fear that they'll never stop. Of course, this experience will eventually pass, and the feelings will depart. But in the meantime, we need to treat ourselves with extra tenderness. That's a beautiful line. And that goes right with the allowing the feelings to just go through and pass through you instead of trying so hard to push them down and stop them that it doesn't mean that we emotionally vomit all over all the people around us, but that we can start to, with a healthy mind, with an awareness, just be present with those feelings for yourself. Hold the space for yourself to let those feelings pass. Just notice them. I'm feeling really sad right now. Wow, I'm really angry. I can't believe how how much grief there is in this. 
I can feel the devastation. Whatever those feelings are, to recognize them and just let them have their way. And be tender to yourself. So it says emotional trauma can even be more disturbing than physical trauma. Just as we need time to heal after major surgery, we need to recover from the emotional effects of past abuse, abandonment, or violation. I think that is so true that we don't give ourselves that time of rest. You think about how after a surgery, you have to have X amount of weeks to months or years to recover. Soul recovery is about allowing yourself to recover for however long it takes. There's no, there's no course that says it has to be a certain amount of time. But once you feel that real healing, it can be instantaneous. The spiritual awakening, that spiritual journey can be almost immediate when you really are able to let those things move through you. The last paragraph says, not all of our emotional experiences are unpleasant. We may also discover new joy, passion, creativity, excitement, and a sense of wonder. It's essential to make room in our lives and our psyches for all these new positive feelings that can energize the pursuit of further growth and make life so much more enjoyable. That's happened for me. I think that I was not able to really feel my feelings either good or bad, not only from being an alcoholic, but also just on this path of being so hypervigilant, so fixated on not wanting the complexity that came from my family that I didn't really allow myself to also really feel those beautiful moments, those amazing moments to the level that I do now. Not that it wasn't fun and lovely, but like the, that depth that you feel of just pure elation and pure sadness, but not the sadness that hurts painfully, the sadness that feels deeply, two different sides of it. So I hope that you will take this into consideration, this taking care of yourself first so that you can be your fullest, wholest self, that you can recognize the worthiness that you have, the beautifulness that you are, that you have more energy, more ability to take care of yourself so that you can then be more present for the people in your life, that you can put yourself first that you can choose your own happiness, be responsible for your own feelings, and not as responsible for everyone else's feelings. That's what we're working on. Thanks for listening. Always a pleasure to spend time with you. Until next time, namaste. Are you wondering, how do I go deeper on my path to soul recovery? Or how do I support this great podcast? Well, here's how. Here's your call to action. If you're ready for real interchange, and would like to work directly with me, visit the website and book a coaching session. I'm here to support you on your unique path. I'm here to help you let go of the past, to deepen your connection with your higher power, whatever that is for you, and to discover and then step forward into a happy and healthy life. You can also become part of our soul recovery community. One way is to join the support group. It's the first Monday of every month. It's by Zoom from 6 to 7 p.m. Mountain Time. And you can register on the website to get your Zoom link. We're 
Recover Your Souls on social media. Of course, there's Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, lots of ways to connect. And there's even a private Facebook group that will allow for more communication and conversation about soul recovery. There is also an extra bonus episode every Friday if you are an Apple Podcast subscriber or Patreon member. I'd also love all of the listeners to subscribe on the website so that I can keep you informed on what's going on with the podcast, the community, with me, and anything that's up and coming and new and great about soul recovery. Also, if you just take a little bit of time to give me five stars, a quick review, and to share the podcast with your friends and family, we're helping even more people to have soul recovery in their lives. If this podcast is providing you spiritual nourishment and inspiration, thank you, thank you for going to the website and pushing the donate button, whatever donation feels right to you. This means so much to me because I have this enormous mission of sharing soul recovery with the world and your donations, your bookings, your subscriptions, your being part of this community is helping that to happen. Together, we can do the work that will recover your The Recover Your Soul podcast and its content is for educational purposes only and is not allied or representative of any organizations or religions. It's based on the opinions and experience of Reverend Rachel Harrison. Recover Your Soul claims no responsibility to any persons or entity for any liability, loss, damage, or cause alleged to be caused directly or indirectly as a result of its use. Applications or interpretations of the information represented herein. Take what you need and leave the rest.